Well, welcome back to the When I Heard This podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Pastor Joseph Tillman. Pastor Joseph Tillman, we're still on video. We are. We made it to the second one, my man. We have. No more to say about that. You guys can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Locals, YouTube, Rumble, Twitter again, and then YouTube again. And Patreon is $5, Locals $5, and Twitter is almost $5, but not yet. Today, we are continuing our discussion about the church and how people put their own interpretations of the Bible into doctrine and theology, mm-hmm. and it makes me mad. <laughs> all right. So this one's really just all about you and how it's it just it's made you mad? <laughs> My bad. <Excuse> <laughs> this whole thing's all about you, Dave. No, right. this today is different okay. than last time, because today we are talking about how that actually affects church members and what they should do about it, and if okay. they can do anything about it. Gotcha. And how annoying church leaders and pastors can be about it's more like the member's perspective than right. why does all this happen right so you're saying i'm annoying big no <laughs> not yet not, okay <laughs> that's fair that's fair um oh my screen went dark given that the church has their own beliefs and the pastors and leadership have their own convictions that's true correct Yes, like sure. so, the church has their own, has their mission statement, or, but then or their statement of faith, their statement yeah. of faith, and then the pastor has their own convictions on sure. top of that. Sure. Okay, so that is true. Yeah, absolutely. And that ha- that you believe that that gets pu- does does that ever get put into sermons? Oh, sure. And stuff as if it's on the same plane. Um. I don't know necessarily if it's intended to come across like it's on the same plane. Okay. But I think it's impossible for the pastor who's preaching most every Sunday for their own convictions not to come through. Why? Why would they come through? Why do they always have to come through? (laughs) (laughs) Again, I don't know if they're always coming through. Okay. But I do think that convictions come through. Now, I think the question really is like, differentiating between what what are our essentials, right? We talked about this a little bit last episode. Right. Like, what are the essentials? What are our convictions about doctrine that we believe to be true? So we're teaching it that way in the church on like secondary issues. Mm-hmm. And then like, what are our preferences? Right. Okay. So the preferences. Yeah. Do pastors put their preferences about life and how I should live into their sermons and do they ever put those preferences on the same level as the like philosophical doctrine or mission statement or Nicene Creed that yeah, we talked sure. about last time? Sure. Yeah. So are preferences interjected into sermons? Yes. Okay. Therefore, can that come across as if they're on the same plane Okay. as the essentials and the convictions on secondaries? On secondary doctrines, yes, and and I do think that preferences do come. Do I mean they they do, and in some ways, not not all the time, but in some ways, I think the pastor 
should be allowed for preferences to come through. Really? Yeah. Okay. Why? Because the 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 whole app like the values and the DNA of the church culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are are formed not only through doctrine, okay, and not only through these convictions, but are formed, you know, through the through these value beliefs that the pastor and leadership are holding, and and then it gets into preference type stuff. Okay, okay. so for example, it's not a conviction that I think. Like it's not like this secondary heavy conviction that I think everyone has to be in a discipleship group. Okay. My preference, my preference is that everyone would be in a discipleship group. Okay. And I've let that preference be known. Okay. But I also think it has to be stated and said it's a preference. Mm-hmm. And so me, Joseph Tillman, this is my preference for our church family is that we would all be involved in discipleship groups. Okay. But I also understand that not everyone's going to, you know, absolutely just walk in line with that. And when they don't, I can't be offended by that or mm-hmm. or bothered by that. You know, like all you can ever do is say I think this is best or this is better. Okay. And then you have to allow people to make those decisions. So it's not like this heavy-handedness, I guess. And maybe that's kind of where you're coming from mm-hmm. is you're asking when do preferences come in as like so heavy handed that it's seen as an essential doctrine right. or seen on the same level as like this secondary convicted belief. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think pastors do have to be careful with the way that preferences are interjected. We've said preferences a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Well, last episode we said that. Okay. So what is what is a acceptable range of preferences versus a not acceptable range of preferences in your mind? Well, I think it's kind of like a I, I think the circles keep getting larger. So in other words, there's a smaller amount of these essential doctrines. Right. And then there's a little bit larger amount of these convictions. But like past all of the essential doctrines and right. the like, convictions, yeah. yeah the, the preferences, I think, is gonna be pretty huge. Okay, yeah, Bec- and, and and when I say huge, I don't mean necessarily huge in like one church, but like, but where should the line be where I'm not gonna talk about that kind of preference? Can you give me an example of a preference? Like, would it be your preference that I not attend orgies on the weekend as your church member? Right. No, it would not just be a preference. That would be a conviction. Of yours, uh, that would yeah of script. I would say of scripture, <laughs> okay, uh, because scripture clearly says don't go to orgies. So Galatians six clearly says right. don't participate in orgies, right? Or excuse me, Galatians five. Galatians five clearly states don't go to orgies, don't okay. participate in orgies. So so you would that's consider not that a not a preference. Uh, uh-uh. that's a scriptural conviction. Okay, so what about drinking but not getting drunk would you prefer Uh, that i as a church member not yeah that would drink at all okay okay that would be more of a preference okay a true preference okay in the idea of okay because i think it has to be clear like our convictions are things that scripture clearly teaches okay 
that that's clear. Like, like I mean, there's the essential doctrines that are in regards to, hey, I believe these things. They're clearly taught for salvation. Mm. Okay. There's the convictions of things that are like that are clearly taught. Like this is wrong. Mm. This is right that we find in scripture. And then there's the things you're talking about, like with preferences that I think, like for the drinking example, drunkenness is clearly stated as a sin, right? Okay. But drinking is not. Right. And and so actually the way that Paul phrases it in Ephesians chapter 5 is that he's encouraging them to not become drunk in wine, but actually to become drunk in the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And the idea in both of them is becoming like this idea of being immersed, all right, mm-hmm. consumed by it, mm-hmm. right? And so he's saying, don't do this, don't get drunk, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. But we see throughout Scripture where there's where they are drinking, mm-hmm. right? They're drinking wine, okay? And so, I mean, Jesus is attending, oh, I mean, you know, his very first miracle ever do- he ever does is turn water into wine. Well, isn't the first one that he is born from a virgin? Yeah, that'd be the first miracle surrounding Jesus, but the first miracle that Jesus actually does, like that he is involved in. But he came earth. out of a virgin. He did. Wouldn't that was, be his miracle? Oh. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> We can we can dissect this one, okay. but but for real, but like okay, so regardless of what was the first, second, third, whatever, Jesus wedding of of Cana or wedding you know in Cana of Galilee mm. turns water to wine. Right, he knows people are going to drink that wine. Right, so is he contributing to their sin? Yep. Okay. No, <laughs> because drinking is not a sin. Okay. Okay. And so I think where you're talking about is if a pastor stands up there and says, no one needs to drink alcohol ever. Right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah. That would be a preference that's being portrayed as a, a conviction that is in other words, that is violating scripture in some way. Okay. And, and, or just be, or a pastor, even knowing it's a preference and still demanding it. So what about not demanding, but simply saying the preference right. while they're up there on stage? I think the best way to I think the best way to do it, okay, okay, is to is to say this is my preference mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I is or and for them it may be a personal like conviction, okay, or you can call it personal preference whatever you want to do. Mm. For me personally, I'm not going to drink, okay. Right. And I even, okay, so I can say that for me. I right? feel oppressed now. <laughs> well, you're not listening to me very well then. <laughs> so the, the so I'm I'm going to sit up there and I, for me, Joseph Tillman, mm. I do not drink. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I might say this is why. Okay. Now for me, it's on the context of me being a leader and loving others to the point to where I don't want to abuse my freedoms which I am free to drink, mm-hmm. but I don't want to abuse those freedoms to cause anyone else to look at my example and say, well, I guess it's okay for me. If Pastor Joseph's drinking, 
guess it's okay if I drink, but what if they're struggling with drinking? What if they've come out of an AA program, right? Or they're still in AA. And so I don't want to contribute further to that, okay? I don't want to get into it, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get into it, but you're going to get into it. Yes. Okay. Fat people uh-huh. could be watching you eat. Yep. And it's the same thing. No, and I think you're absolutely right, actually. Okay. Yeah. So it's, I think that that, I think we we hit on this earlier about how some sins are viewed differently. Mm-hmm. And I think you're actually right. I think things like gluttony, things like gossip, those things are just as much of a sin mm-hmm. as any of the other things we've talked about. And so, yeah, so I'll give you that one. You're right, Nate. Anyway, all I'm saying is. There's no difference. Right. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, and it but it's interesting too, right? Because of, of how a culture views it. Right. So we view food and even the eating of the excess of food as okay. So if you were to put the two things side by side though. Right. And but they're have, not. Yeah, I mean they're of equal like they're equal sins. If someone sees you eat, eating cheeseburger uh-huh. versus drinking martini, right, and they're struggling with either thing, right, then what's the difference? There is no difference, right? Yeah, no, there's no difference. Okay, so then you should never eat. <laughs> Just never eat because if you're never going to drink because think, someone might be struggling, then you right. can't eat anything. Right. Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Because both could be addictions. Right. Right. Because there's individuals that have all kind of I mean, we could sit here all day and name a diff- different addiction. Right. And so I I do see what you're saying. Mm. OK. And I and I actually don't disagree with you um, in the sense of like. So for me as a pastor, I actually should be taking care of my like if we are if we are really a holistic individual and that means body, soul and spirit. Mm then we should care for all three of those things. Mm. We should care for our spirit and our spiritual life. We should care for our soul. So in other words, our emotional and mental health. Mm. And we should care for our bodies. And and I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, I've not done a very good job of that the last few years. Okay, so back to the topic. Back to the topic. No, Inserting wait. Pref- okay, you want to keep going? Yes. All right. No, not about this topic. Okay. I, need, I want to... Okay, so any any amount of, hey, this is my preference uh-huh. on stage at church uh-huh. could come across to somebody as he, like, feels convicting. Okay. Right? Sure, it could like come if, across that yeah, way. Yeah, if you say, hey, I don't ever drink, drink yeah. then somebody in the audience could be like, well, I do that. Sure. So... Does not the simple act of you making mention of that fact uh-huh. on stage make people feel like worse about themselves? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think that even if you're not saying never do this or you're right going I, to hell, I think if you're going to name those kind of preferences mm-hmm. like that, you do need to give context for it. Okay. In other words, you need to say this is why. Okay. And and I might even go as far as to say, and this is this is why individuals in the church should consider, just prayerfully consider, mm-hmm. 
not drinking. All right. And I'm not even saying like, and I'm not even saying they should stop drinking. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that, Hey, here's my preference for me as a leader. And then, and Hey, maybe something for your, all of us to prayerfully consider, but it's not something that I would, um, heavily handedly just enforce okay. or expect of our people. I would never want it to come across that way. But do I think that there could be people sitting there and say, well, he never drinks, but I do. Should I feel bad? Well, I don't mind if that line of questioning forces someone into a position of going, I need to pray about this. I need to maybe ask the Lord what I should do. Mm -hmm. But I don't want them walking out of there feeling condemned. That's a very fine line that you have to walk when you're bringing up your preferences than when you're talking on stage. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a very fine line. Okay. Yeah, and I do think that it's these kind of fine lines and these preferences that have caused damage in the church. Right. Right? Because like, okay, so for example, and I've mentioned this times in times past, but the idea of the purity culture right. that was really popular in the church and still is in some elements of the church the purity culture that came into evangelicalism mm -hmm. in the 90s and into the 2000s, um, you know, really made famous by like um, uh, like Joshua Harris's book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye and things like that. And I do think, so for example, kind of going along with that book, like if a pastor stands up there and says, you shouldn't date. <laughs> and so what? I know, but like that was a huge thing for a while. Like yeah. don't date. Yeah. You should court. I, I, I feel like I was in church when those things were going around. Okay. Yeah, but, you probably were. But uh, I was really ugly and not dating anyway, so I, I didn't have a problem. It wasn't an issue for me. <laughs> so you didn't really... Yeah. That one really didn't concern you very right. much. <laughs> but... <laughs> But like when they said don't have sex, I was like, I'm, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> right. That's not even an option. It's not even an option for the table, right? And or, or and like, and so when a pastor says something like that, like just don't date. Mm. Well, why? Right, right. And and can we say it in such a way that's stating it as I have this preference that you wouldn't date? That's not even how they dealt with stuff in the forties. No, <laughs> I, I I know, and but it's just uh, it's. It became such a big deal, mm -hmm. and there were so many people that were that were put off by that and and hurt by it, damaged by it, mm -hmm. that whole purity culture that where the preferences of what it would look like to not date and to court all of a sudden mm -hmm. became very oppressive mm -hmm. to people, and so you know, and that left a lot of people leaving the church because of it, um, and so or even the, the the same thing of like don't have sex. Okay, or don't drink, or not don't, don't drink, but don't get drunk. Mm -hmm. Well, can we put context on on any of those things, mm -hmm. right? And instead of saying don't have sex, what we should say is that sex is to be celebrated and enjoyed in the context of a of a marriage relationship between a husband and wife. Mm -hmm. And so here's why we believe that sex is good and holy in that context. Mm -hmm. And here's why we believe it's against scripture and is not holy outside of that context. And so I, and instead of just saying, don't have sex. And so getting to your line of questioning of the preferences. So I do think that's, those are the kind of things where 
it would behoove pastors if you're going to make statements like that to make sure you get the context for it, mm -hmm. to make sure you give some kind of explanation of why you prefer that and then don't come down so heavy handed where it's like demanded of people, even though scripture doesn't demand it. Mm. And, and I love the way that in, so in the early church, again, they were, they were wrestling with this idea of what would it look like for, for the Gentiles to have a standard for the way that they were to live mm. and the standard that they were to um, approach God and deal with God. And so, and one of the things that the the early church had to do was come up with, hey, this is these are the things that we need to be able to to write to them, but to give them a standard, but we don't want to give them such a ridiculous standard they can never live up to it. Right. And so so in Acts 15, and this is, you know, as they're beginning to try to figure this out, one of the things that they decided was we do not want to give them anything that was going to require too much of them. And the way they phrase it in verse 28 of chapter 15, for it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours, other translations will say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements. Okay. And I think what happens is, is that we can get into the con we can get into the place where we're putting burdens on people that scripture doesn't even put on them. Right. And that's where we as leadership have to be really careful to not invoke that on people. Okay. So just so I'm clear, based on what we've talked about in last week's episode and so far. Right. You have your mission statement, which is, should or, be... Or, or statement of faith. Statement of faith. Uh-huh. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> you have your statement of faith, which is supposed to be just essential doctrines. And, and, and I think it will have... By nature, it will have secondary doctrines in it okay. as well. So first and secondary doctrines. Uh -huh. And then you have the pastor who has their own convictions. Mm -hmm. and But the bad parts of both of those is when the statement of faith is too controlling mm -hmm. or the pastor is too controlling mm -hmm. of I mean, your life. Right. When the statement of faith Statement of faith needs to align itself with Scripture, right? Right, and not require things of people that's not being required of you in Scripture. Right. Pastors are the exact same way. When we right. preach, when we teach, we need to preach. We need to teach Scripture. Okay. Not put things on people that are over, over and beyond. You know, beyond that. And same with church leadership and sure and anybody like anybody else I talk to at the church. Yeah, we should. Sh people shouldn't be doing that to each other. Yeah, I think what we need, to, I think, but I think part of the problem is, is people don't know their, their Bibles well enough. Okay. So they're saying things like, well, don't drink. Mm -hmm. And they actually believe scripture says that because someone told them it did, or maybe they just inferred that it did. Mm -hmm. And so they're passing that along when scripture never says that, you know, um, and, you know, scripture doesn't say don't have sex. It just says, don't have sex outside of the context of marriage. Mm -hmm. And so... Straight I, marriage. Correct. And and so I think that's one of the things that we have to help people grow in their knowledge of the Word so they actually can understand what's actually there and not there. 
And I think that's why you get a lot of people burned by things because they're, I mean, they're assuming that the pastor knows what he's talking about, right? They're assuming leadership knows what they're talking about. And when, and then when it, they realize, oh, they're actually not even quoting scripture anymore. Well, that is not even, it's not even from scripture, but yet I was yet led to believe that we had to do X, Y, Z. That's where it becomes damaging for the individual. I asked you last week, are there, are there, uh, statement of faith mm-hmm. things that you could ask a church member to leave because of, and you said, yes, I said, I said, yes. Okay. If, if it was like those essential things, mm-hmm. um, and so, and, and by leave, I want to be clear on what I mean by that. If they're wanting to teach something contrary, right? Like, yeah. so if, if, so as a church, we're going to teach that, like, so for example, in our local church, we're going to teach that Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. We're going to teach that Jesus is the only way to heaven and, and to, and to the father. And so if you teach contrary to that, that's just not going to work right, right. now. If you're willing to, to come and be present yeah, and not cause a fuss and not, try to drive an agenda and not teach this, like we're good. Mm. It's, it's when you're trying to teach something that's not aligning Mm. itself with scripture and you refuse to stop doing it. That's where it becomes the problem. So is it okay for you to ask a church member to stop being a member based on your preferences? Based on my preferences? Right. No. It's, you don't think it's okay for any pastor ever to do that? Again, it would. I mean, they would. And by preferences, we're saying things that are are true preferences, not just sins, right? Right. Yeah. Because sin is sin, right? And there are times when we do have to say, "Hey, like this is this is sin," and 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 be aware of that, mm-hmm. and. If, if if someone if someone refuses to repent of sin, or someone refuses to stop teaching false doctrine, they can't. We, we would have to ask them to leave at that point. So you're talking about you're talking about moral stuff and Correct. then theological stuff. Correct. Or, yeah. Yeah. Just teaching against scripture. Okay. The clear teachings of scripture. Okay. Yeah. But like to your point, if if the preference is don't drink. Right. I would not ever ask someone to leave because they're not aligning themselves with my own personal preference over that particular issue. Do you do you think it is okay for pastors to ever do that? I would have to hear what the what the issue is, to be honest with you. Okay. Um because I I, I don't I think there can be this gray area of what's a preference and what's an actual scriptural teaching. Right. And I would not, and I, that's what I'm saying. It's one thing if you will not repent from from intentionally going or disobeying Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's it's another thing if you are just disobeying, quote unquote, a pastor's preference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I'm sure there's times where pastors ask people to leave because of it. So, okay, so without knowing what the pastor said uh-huh someone comes to you and says hey the pastor made 
me feel terrible about something I'm doing in my life. Right. How would you go about that? What would you tell? Yeah. From again, the pulpit. Yeah. So the pastor says something from the pulpit. Yeah. Then I would say, can you tell me what he said? Okay. And, and then I think it really depends on what the action was. So in other words, there's times people will sit, will be in our congregation and they will not, they will leave feeling convicted. Which is good. Yeah. Which okay. is fine. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to walk out every Sunday feeling convicted. Right. But it's okay if that happens on a Sunday. Like I like the preacher taught a word. I was convicted of the way that let's say that um I'm convicted from gossiping. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you feel now you feel like a sense of like, I am convicted by this. I'm bothered by this. Mm -hmm. I really need to stop this. So, but that's a, I would say that's fine. Yeah, that's the actual sin things. But what if Correct. it's a preference? What if what if I what if someone came to you and said, "Hey, I, the pastor made me, or my pastor, uh huh, because you're a pastor." All right, Joseph Tillman, M. Div, <laughs> soon to be demon. What if I came to you and said my pastor made me feel uncomfortable, or or between uncomfortable and all the way to I don't feel comfortable being at this uh -huh. church anymore because of a preference. Yeah. Where would you go with that? Yeah, I I think that again you would probably my first thing is go talk to the pastor about it. Okay. Yeah, I think that'd be my first thing. Okay. It's this it's this if you feel that bothered, that uncomfortable about it, go and talk to the pastor about it. Try to understand where they're coming from, try to understand did you hear it correctly? But the my my view on that would be that the pastor doesn't seem like he's willing to even entertain talking about that topic and how it made me feel uncomfortable because he's so against the fact that I do that or am that or okay. whatever. Yeah. A again, if but you got to go to the pastor and find out if he's actually that against talking okay. about it or not. Okay. And then if he just refuses to talk about it, like refuses to listen mm -hmm. and it's just going to, you know, if. You just bring up the topic and they just lecture you. They're not caring about listening to you. I would say that's problematic. Okay. How, like, on a scale from 1 to 10, how much okay. would you say that the pastor's preferences affect the affect the church body's convictions? Like, how close, uh -huh. how close in, in preferences and personal sin convictions do you think a church body is to their pastor? Oh, that's a good question. I think the longer the pastor is there, the more the more the culture he's creating. He and the leadership are creating more of the culture there. Mm. But that would I mean, but but that's going to happen because they're preaching every Sunday. Mm -hmm. So by default, a a culture, and I'm using the word culture because within that culture is beliefs and actions and attitudes and all that are being affected by what the preacher is saying. Mm. The values are being affected. Right. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Like my, my son says that my favorite phrase is, is make disciples. And oh, that your favorite, my favorite phrase okay. is that. Yeah. And he says, cause that's, you said all the time. Dad. Mm. And so, What's interesting is I was in a board meeting recently and I asked for 
the the leadership to kind of give me uh, something that they have seen positive going on in the church or in their lives or that kind of thing. And almost every one of them named a discipleship component. Okay. And because and so and what's happening is in our particular church is this idea of discipleship is that value is being the culture is being transformed mm-hmm. because I'm talking about it a lot. So I'm naturally impacting the culture of that church. Mm-hmm. And all I'm getting to is so when the pastor is teaching a lot, especially the same things a lot, it's going to inevitably impact the culture of that church. So all, all, even if you don't mention your preferences on stage, are people going to probably conform to your preferences the longer that you're there? I don't know if they would conform to my preferences. Okay. Um, and I think we have to be clear like that, what the preferences are, mm. right? Like my personal preferences for, you know, for example, giving or... You know, like, I think that you, I think I have to be really clear to teach what is being said biblically about giving without going into a lot of my own personal preferences. Mm-hmm. But I do think the preferences will inevitably come out at some point in the midst of those teachings. Um, the fact that when I talk about discipleship, my preferences is for people to be in a discipleship group mm-hmm. of a few people in the same with the same gender, you know, so you got, you know, three to five females in a discipleship group. And so that's a preference of mine. But that's not the only way a discipleship group can work or mm-hmm. discipleship can work. It's just my preference, right? And so I think inevitably those things come out. Um, but if I'm not teaching them, I don't know if people are going to just naturally start conforming to certain personal preferences or personal convictions. Um, okay. Because I think there's the preferences of those things, and then there's the preferences of like, and and I think the church culture it really takes on the personality or the preference of the pastor, if you were, if the pastor is really invoking his preference into Sunday mornings need to look like this. These are my preferences for Sunday mornings, for the worship service, and so all of these things start looking the way the pastor would like it. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I'm not even saying that's necessarily all wrong or bad. Right. Because they have these convictions and beliefs about what Sunday mornings should entail. But that's why when you go to one church on a Sunday morning versus another church, you know, you can go to completely different services and they could look completely different. And it's because of those preferences being played out. Now, again, those preferences, like on a Sunday morning worship service, there should be a conviction behind the philosophy of the way those services are ran. Right. Um, scripturally, we believe services should look like this. Mm. That's fine, you know, um, and and so I do think those things, um, the things that the pastor is passionate about, like I'm really passionate about outreach. I'm passionate about international missions. So over the course of time, our church will begin to reflect that as well mm. because I'm going to be talking about it, you know, and I value it so deeply that inevitably it's going to come out. And so... I think without question, pastors influence the the preferences, quote unquote, of churches. But I would say it's more of like the direction, the mission, the vision of churches. Okay. Um, but I don't think their personal stuff is probably bleeding over as much. 
you mentioned that that if I felt uncomfortable during a service about a preference that the mm-hmm. pastor said that I should go talk to him. Mm-hmm. So has anyone ever come to you and done that? Come to me and said, I don't or I feel uncomfortable because you said this. Yeah. X, Y or Z. Oh, that's a good question. Yes, actually. Now I think about it. A couple of times. Okay. Um, One, someone came up to me and said, I feel really uncomfortable that you said this. And I said, I never said that. Okay. And they were like, yeah, you did. And I said, no, I didn't. And I actually went back, listened to the sermon. Thank God for audio recordings. And and I, and I had not said what they thought I said. Hmm. And so I gave them the tape for them to listen to. So, yes, this was back when we were giving out tapes. and uh, or, maybe it was right. a C- or maybe it was a CD, whatever. And I gave them that. It was a tape. It was probably a tape. And, uh, and I gave them that to listen to so they could hear. Um, and then they came back and apologized. Mm. And, and I think that happens sometimes. When we may be touching on a topic or a subject that's very personal to somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and they immediately jump to assuming we said something Mm -hmm. or they just thought we would say something because they've heard it from a pastor before, or they've heard it from other people before. And in the church, they assume we're going to say it too. Mm -hmm. And and that's what kind of happened in this case. Um, And then the other time that I can think of was I was talking about uh, a preference so that I was like, Hey, I think the preference for husbands and wives is they should be having sex two to three times a week. No. (laughs) Well, I was young and in my twenties and just recently married. I thought that was, you know, and, and so someone actually did come to me and say, Hey, I, I don't know if that's actually right. And I don't know if you actually should be saying that from the pulpit. And they were in their (laughs) eighties. They were in their sixties. Okay. Close enough. Yeah. (laughs) So, but it, and so that did give me this perspective. Oh, you're an idiot. <laughs> that probably was. <laughs> um, and, and so, but it, and so, yeah, so I have said, so I said that and, and, and I, and I may still have preferences on those on things like, but I've got a, I have learned, Hey, you don't need to say everything okay. that you prefer from the pulpit. Okay. And, and so, um, and I think someone coming to me after that and kind of calling me out on that a little bit mm. was good. It was helpful for me. And so I, I, that's what I'm saying. I think a lot of people probably don't have the guts to go to the pastor and say, hey, what you said to me bothered me, or I don't know if I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And, and I wish they would. Okay. I wish they would come and say, hey, I, don't, I just don't ag- agree with that with what you did or with what you said. I think people don't know what kind of reaction they're going to get if they try to do that. Yeah. Why do you think that? Like, why do you think that, like what, what, what has led to that thought process? That if I hear the pastor have such a strong preference about something, Mm -hmm. it's not going to make him feel good. If I am saying, I don't care for that preference. Why should you be concerned about what makes him feel good? If you're equating that to sin, right? Uh-huh. Like if if gotcha. the pastor equates his preference to sin, okay. then I'm coming to him and saying, hey, I sin this way, but I think it's fine. Gotcha. And you 
<laughs> don't apparently, and I don't think you should say stuff like that. Uh-huh. To which his immediate re- response will be, "Well, you're a sinner because you're not agreeing with my preference." Okay. So get the hell out of my office. <laughs> like, like that. Yeah. yeah that's, so, uh, so that's, that's the assumption why. of what's of what's that's going. That's the to assumption of what's going to happen. happen. Yeah. Or transpire because yeah. I don't know how far the pastor is taking this preference. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, and I think, and I really do think that, you know, people should go, be able to go to the pastor and have conversations. Um, and so, but, what do I do if I'm yeah. if if I was worried about what the pastor would say, or or how that conversation's going to go? Well, or I, if I the would, pastor's going to gossip to everybody that right. I don't agree with his preference, well, what do well, I do? Yeah, I I think you would go to them. And if, and if they respond the way you think they're going to respond, in other words, brush you off, not listen to you, mm-hmm. um, and not give you scriptural basis for what they're saying, not he- hear you out, um, and especially if they're going to belittle you right. or demean you, then they probably don't need to be your pastor anyway. So leave. So stop <laughs> stop going to church there. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that would be a really tough place to be at. Right. If I feel like I couldn't go to my pastor for things. Mm-hmm. Because if right, so a pastor's call, according to Hebrews 13, 17, mm-hmm. is to know the status of the souls of the flock, because they must give an account for that. Okay. And so if I as a pastor so when you get to heaven, St. Peter's going to be like, hey, how'd everybody do? I don't know how this is going to work out. Okay. I just know scripture tells me I'm held accountable for it. Okay. So as a, as a preacher, as a, as a pastor and a preacher or a pastor and someone who teaches on a regular basis, mm. I know that I'm held accountable for the status of the souls of the people that have been entrusted to me. And I know that I'm held accountable for what I teach, that I'm judged more harshly for that. Right. And so... So I know those two things. And so I have to, I, so therefore I have to be open when someone comes to me and says, Hey, I don't know about what you just taught there. I need to listen to that because I cannot assume that oh, I'm, because, a, I'm a know-it-all. Cause you're going to get judged hard. So I'm going to get judged for okay, that. I got you. So if they're possibly bringing some kind of corrective alignment to me, I really need to listen to that Okay, and not brush them off or be dismissive or at least be willing to hear them out, go search out the scriptures, hear their perspective, and I may still go back to them and say, well, I disagree with you, and I will stand by what I said, but here's why, mm-hmm. right? And and I did look into what you asked, you know, your perspective, your side, and here's my thoughts on it, okay? And But that's not belittling or dismissing them. It's taking them seriously. And so someone comes to me and says, oh, I didn't really like what you said. Okay, well... Let me hear you out. Now, there are times when someone will come and say, basically, it's like a non-negotiable. Like, they, they're going to, like, they want me to change course in what I am teaching or what I am believing. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, they're out. So, bye. Yeah. So, in that yeah. case, I, if I'm fully convicted in it, right, right. then I, I, all I can tell them is, I'm sorry, I cannot change my conviction okay. i cannot do what you're asking me to do mm-hmm. um and and so i think that those 
all the types of things that can happen. But I, in, in what you're talking about, I would, I would really hope that the pastor would be because he's because he's going to be held accountable for the souls of the you know flock that he's pastoring shepherding i would hope that he would listen to the person that says i felt shamed guilted right belittled demeaned by what you said from the pulpit mm-hmm. um i felt uncomfortable well the pastor may still hear you out and and not change his position but it doesn't mean he's belittling you or demeaning you you know, if his words aren't actually doing that, because mm-hmm. I think we do have like we do have a problem in our culture with being too sensitive. Right. I mean, that's a true reality. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, in other words, if you disagree with me, I feel like you're rejecting me as a person, as a person. Right. And I feel like we've got to move past that. Mm-hmm. Like we have got to move to the point to where we can disagree with one another without feeling like we're being rejected by the other person mm-hmm. as a person, as a human being. And, and so that's why in this kind of situation, when someone comes to, like, if someone was to come to me and would say, Hey, I felt, um, rejected by you, or I felt, um, bothered by what you said yesterday, then I would want to hear what it was. Mm. And is it something that I said that really actually bothered them and rejected them? Like, did I really have that, you know, did I really do that? Or was it a conviction I had that's aligning itself with scripture? that I said that they just didn't agree with. Okay. And then I have to say, we obviously don't agree with this, but it doesn't mean I'm rejecting you as a person. Mm-hmm. And so um, it just means that we're going to disagree on this. And and so now then it's up to that person to make a decision. Do I feel comfortable staying here or not? So the churches that are, that are, getting into the cult territory and are mostly preferences and pastor mm-hmm. on stage is making people feel like that all the time. Mm-hmm. You would just say leave. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, if you got a pastor and he's standing up there and he's being dogmatic on everything, yeah. like every single Sunday, um, yeah, you, you, you can, you can find someplace else to go Okay, where, because you should feel like you're being fed mm-hmm. the whole, the whole gospel, the, all the truth, and if they have their like little pet things that they're just going to be hammering away on mm-hmm. people for every single week, uh, we got to move past that. You know, even even preachers that are preaching on heaven and hell, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't always make us feel comfortable, and that but it's a but it's a right teaching if you're teaching that there is that the eternity that our eternal lives will be spent either with God or apart from God. That's mm. a true statement. But then it's like, how is that being delivered? And is that the crux of every single sermon? You know, um, one time I had somebody right. came to me and they said, I don't even know why I go to church anymore. All I, ha- all, all I do every time I go to church, I feel like I need to get saved all over again. And they're like, I mean, how many times do I need to go like rededicate my life? And, I, and, and what they were saying was they weren't trying to like go off and live in sin. It wasn't like they were feeling this conviction of, you know, um, I'm a horrible human being. Mm. It was like a, but this is all the pastors preaching on every single Sunday. What, that I have to completely, like, 
get baptized again and yeah and, or like rededicate my life yeah. because i just suck as a human being and a right. person you know and and i think there's just that's just not teaching the whole council well of the God. pastor hadn't seen him since last sunday <laughs> i had no telling what they did yeah yeah that's fair not really they shouldn't really do that <laughs> i mean you know they, they really should be teaching a much broader you know uh the whole gospel the whole council as paul says the whole council of, of scripture so okay so say pastor says uh hey if you don't not take this job or take this job or don't not marry this person mm-hmm. or d- divorce this person or right or you know big life things uh-huh. if you don't do those things you're out right what do you do leave okay so what if that happened to me now what now that i've left what if what if pastor said do a thing i said no and then I got kicked out. And that's where I'm at. Okay. What would you say to that person? Wow. I would say, one, I understand you're mad and I understand you're hurt. Okay. But don't reject Christianity or God or even his people, all of his people, because of the actions of one person okay. or even one group. Okay. And that there actually are churches that are not, they're not, I mean, no one is, no place is perfect, right? Mm-hmm. But you can find churches that are life-giving and not life-taking. In other words, that when you when you go there, you're encountering the Spirit of God, the presence of God, you're encountering the Word of God, you're encountering community with people, and so therefore you, it, it's, it's, it's life-giving there. Even even the Sundays or the times you're there and you're convicted and you're going to the altar and you're repenting, that's still life-giving, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to going someplace where you just feel berated and controlled and manipulated. You know, to me, the the major works of the enemy are is manipulation and domination. And and if he can manipulate, so if if there's manipulate like clear manipulation going on mm-hmm. clear domination going on to me that's more of the work of the enemy than it is the work of the lord okay and so i i would find i would i would say that i understand why you're hurt bothered and maybe even don't trust churches i i get that or pastors go find you know and you don't have to like just go to one place and stay there forever i mean but you can go to different places and get a feel for them but find some place that's not like that because that is much more the exception than the rule. Like that's, I feel like the scenario you just talked about is the, is the absolute minority, like small percentage of churches mm. compared to the, to the larger breadth of churches that are not like that. Have you ever completely kicked somebody out of your church? Like said, hey, I don't want you even attending. I was part of a leadership team that did that. Okay. Um, and it was because this person, kind of going back to the kind of the manipulation kind of thing, this person was kind of gathering people to themselves in basically in, in a in a movement against the leadership of the church. Okay. And and so they were you know, is that scripturally okay to do? No, I mean, yeah, what you did, oh, what the church leaders did. Yeah, because we confronted the person. 
Okay. And we said, hey, this is what's this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And if this is the way you're going to continue on, you can't you can't stay here. Right. And and they and they just said, well, I think you're doing X, Y, and Z wrong. Okay. Go start your own church. <laughs> right. That's your that's okay. your perspective. Yeah. And so we may not be the church for you. Mm-hmm. We may not be the leadership for you. And and again, the things weren't like um, there weren't like any sin issues, you know, amongst the leadership that this person was accusing us of. Okay, it was just we weren't following God in the way that they thought we should follow God, in the sense of the way church services were happening, what was being taught mm-hmm. from the pulpit, those kind of things. But that's like rare. I mean, I've been in ministry for twenty plus years, mm-hmm. and that's the one and only time that's ever happened. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's a, it's a rare thing that happens. I think most times people will choose to, you know, like there's disagreements and they just will choose to leave. All right. So you've heard me talk about the differences between the essentials and the convictions and the preferences. Mm. And of course, a lot of your questions were, like how do we sort through some of that stuff and what should be taught from the pulpit, what shouldn't be taught? How does it how does it bleed? How do the preferences at times bleed into the sermons and mm. bleed into the culture of the church? Um, and obviously it kind of all goes back to a little bit of like, well, there seems to be a lot of of man's quote unquote influence mm-hmm. on something that is supposed to be God-centered mm. or God inspired or God empowered um, with both church and just the way Christians live. Um, so, what do you think about where we've landed in terms of the questions that have been answered and how I've, you know, differentiated between the the different things of essentials and convictions and preferences and mm-hmm. the way we should respond to those things. So. What comes to mind for me is that if I were to hear my pastor say something like, I don't drink because X, which Mm -hmm. we talked about. Right. Because of X conviction, reason, Bible, whatever. Right. That wouldn't bother me. Okay. Or do anything to me. Okay. But I know that there's people who, when an authority figure says something like that Uh it means a lot more to them okay so (laughs) during this topic i'm i'm a little bit struggling to put myself in that headspace because it wouldn't affect me right and but but i do know that that happens to people sure like if anybody above me mentions any like like Especially the people who are very extremely observant of what people above them are saying uh-huh. and how they're doing and how they right. think they're doing. Right. Like if I get a hint of not, you know, not me, but if sure. those people get a hint of anything wrong with what they're doing, especially from a pastor who's supposed right. to represent God, sure, then they're going to feel terrible. Okay. So what would you say to somebody like that? Yeah. Uh, 
I think I guess this is another question, question back to me. Back to yeah. you. Thanks for <laughs> answering the question with a question. Yeah. Um yeah. That's actually very Anyway, Joseph, that's what I think. <laughs> what do you think about what I think? <laughs> right. It's a very Jesus thing to do, actually, to right. answer a question with a question. Right. Um and also with you. <laughs> oh Lord. Um so I think that if it, again, I said this earlier. I think it really depends on the on the on the topic a lot of times. Like in other words, if if I if I walk out if I walk out of a service feeling really full of shame mm-hmm. because a pastor has said something, and now I'm really bothered because basically he's calling out something. He's he's calling. I feel like he's calling me out on on a on a way I'm living. Mm. Then I think I think again a big part of it is all right. Is what he's saying, you know, scripture or preference. But then if I'm not sure, because there's sometimes we just don't know, right? right? You don't know if like. If you don't know what's in scripture, sometimes you don't know if that's this pastor actually saying scripture or not. And again, going and talking to the pastor should always be an option. Okay. Like like talking to a pastor should absolutely always be an option for somebody. Okay. They should feel like they can go and talk to their pastor or talk to an you know, sometimes churches have elders um and uh or multiple pastors. They should feel like they can go talk to one of them and express their concern. Um and because I like I do get the fact and I do understand the fact that what comes from the pulpit to some people is very is just really impactful mm. because of the value that they place on the authority of the pastor. And so and I do understand. And I do understand there's other people that are like you, they're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> um, but I feel like for the individuals that are more sensitive to that, mm. that that's why having a relationship with the pastor is good. Like you should have a relationship with the pastor where you can go up and talk to them and that kind of stuff. Even if you've only been going there for a short period of time, like if someone is pretty new to our church, I mean, I love it when they come and ask questions. Mm-hmm. I love it when we sit down and we talk about, hey, you know, how are how are you know getting to know the person and that kind of thing, but then allowing them to ask the questions of, you know, I don't really understand why y'all teach on this or emphasize this. Um, I heard this from the pulpit, or maybe it could just be, I heard that you believe this. That happens sometimes too. I've heard that you're like this, you know, them telling me as a pastor that, Mm -hmm. and then it gives me a chance to say yes or no to those, (laughs) to those things. Um, And so again, I just, I just feel like that openness from a pastor should be there. And for people who've never had that, like that, that sense of being able to just, Go and talk to the pastor because, and man, that's like a whole other topic. I feel like, but the pastor, the pastor's study should be like a safe space for people. Mm-hmm. They should feel safe there, like to go and ask questions, to go and seek counsel. They should feel safe and they should feel welcomed. That shouldn't be like a, oh no, I'm tread. Like it shouldn't be like viewed like the principal's office. And I feel like sometimes it is. It it totally is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and you'd probably relate that better than I would because you grew up in the church. Mm. Is it? Did it feel that way? Like, well, 
when my parents weren't at the church and I got in trouble, that's where I always ended up. Really? Yeah. They would take you to the pastor's office. I mean, sometimes. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. <laughs> um, I say that's crazy, but I mean, it's happened before to me too. Uh, I mean, in other words, people wanting to bring a teenager to me right. for me to have a, a stern talk right. to about getting their life right. Right. Um, and it's such a, and not that I don't mind having a conversation, but uh, but yeah, if it's always viewed as like that's the place I go where I'm in where I get in trouble uh, when I get in trouble, mm-hmm. that's not a good view of the pastor or having any kind of ability to have a healthy conversation with that person. That's why I was asking all those questions earlier, like mm-hmm. where you were like, why is it so? <laughs> why would that be so bad? Well, what if the what if I'm I don't know <laughs> the you know it's an authority figure. Yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly right though that it feels like going to the principal's office. Mm. Yeah, and a little I, bit. Yeah, and and I, man, I I really wish that I really wish that wasn't the case. I think class is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> to the principal's yeah. office. Yeah, yeah, and so I don't know. Um, man, I don't even know how to combat that in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, because I do think there's a lot of people who feel that way. And I guess, and I'd be interested to even like, it's kind of even makes me like want to poll our church. <laughs> How do they feel about coming to me or coming to, you know, because many times it's not just the person. It's just like, like it's the embedded in their minds of the role of the pastor is this. Or the aura. Or the aura or the, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like. Good vibes only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like. You know, like even so, I've been at the church for like a year. Like I don't know. So, but if you've if you've had pastors for thirty years, fifty years, then all of a sudden you've got a perspective of what a pastor is, and mm. you know, and it, that would be pretty hard to change over time. Um, and and I think it can change more quickly for some than others. Um, some just simply need to be seen and mm. viewed and heard. Um, and actually, like, I, I remember I had a, had someone tell me just within this last year, they said, you know, you're the first pastor I've actually laughed with. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a big deal to that person. Mm-hmm. And because they felt like they could relate to me, not just in this, I am holier than thou kind of thing, but they could laugh, that we could laugh together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I love that. And and so, and so, but like for that person, it happened pretty quickly just because I would sit and talk and laugh with them and cut up. But for others, I can, I can, I can tell when I sit with them, they kind of, you know, mm-hmm. get a little stiff and not, not sure what to say. And, you know, um, and so, and that doesn't come from just me, right? That just comes from their experience and encounter with pastors over the course of their life, um, or what they expect a pastor to be. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would hope that over time that can be changed. But I do know that's that's I'm actually interested. We talked about this. That's a that's a good uh, makes me want to rethink about how our people even see me. So, um, well, good, good, good. <laughs> I, I thought we were gonna laugh together. Sorry, this has been the one I heard this podcast. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Locals, YouTube, Rumble. Twitter, right? That's all of them. At when I heard this, 
podcast or at when I heard this when at at when I heard this. Right. Patreon five dollars, locals five dollars, Twitter almost five dollars. No, not almost five dollars. <laughs> it's almost a thing that you can go to Twitter and it's five dollars. Gotcha. Because of our our Twitter or something something to do with Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. Um you can follow me at Nate Robinson on Facebook and Instagram, and you can follow Joseph on Instagram at Rev Joe T. This has been the one I heard this podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.